Welcome to another amazing episode of the Path to Podcast Success with your host, audience building and fear crushing podcast expert, Evan Bradley Johnson. Every single week, Evan has powerful conversations with successful entrepreneurs and business owners, revealing the podcast strategies they use to grow their subscribers and sales, and how you can use your podcast to finally get to that next level. Now, turn on your mic and let's start down the path to podcast success. Okay, welcome everyone to another very exciting episode of Path to Podcast Success. I have got a guest here that I'm really excited about. I think today's interview is going to be a lot of fun. Gabriel Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, we are very glad to have you. (laughs) So I like to start off in the same place with all of my guests. And that is by making sure that all the members of the audience are on the same page and they have the context they need to get the most that they can out of this conversation. So for those people, go ahead and tell us, uh, what is it that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I help entrepreneurs uh, and experts launch products. I'm a a product launch expert, so I help them execute six-figure launches. I think it's the best way to build a seven- and eight-figure business. That is that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. And how long have you been doing this? Shoot, I've um I, I guess classically for the past seven or eight years, uh have been helping anywhere from a, a complete startup launch a, a SaaS product at a you know eight or nine dollar per purchase rate with a brand new product, all the way to working with you know a two and a half billion dollar company like Agora Financial, they're a past client of mine and kind of everywhere in between over the last, yeah, seven, eight years. Wow, two and a half billion. Is that, is that all? That's it. That's it. That's it. You, know what, you know, the funny thing is that you, like, you look at the big dogs. I think we always, we, we're looking at the people who are just ahead of us, right? Like who are kind of on the horizon. We can kind of like, we're trying to play catch up with them. Uh, and when you get to where they're at, they're all dealing with some of the same issues or different issues. Um, in fact, there, there's this rule, there's this rule, they call it the rule of three and 10, right? Every time a business triples in size, literally everything breaks. And I've seen that at every stage, um, which again is why I love launches uh, because launches are such a great way to validate your marketing ideas, to validate business model ideas. Um, and so yes, the, the $2.5 billion company, it was just as important because they have these problems of, oh man, we're so used to doing it a certain way. It can be hard sometimes for them to steer the ship when right. trends and technology is changing so quickly. So they would come to someone like myself who is fast and nimble and uh, and is up to speed on what's going on these days. Right. And plus, I mean, when you, it makes complete sense that when you get to that certain point, the business kind of breaks down because like what sustains you at 1 million is not going to sustain you at 500 million or a billion. Like, yeah, there's like different things need to be in place. Different things need to happen for, for that to work. <laughs> so yeah, I've seen, I've seen some certain very specific uh, levels at kind of different stages for, for businesses. It's almost predictable. Right. Oh yeah. No, because I mean, at the end of the day, it's like no business is truly, truly unique. 
because I mean, everybody's done it, right? People go to different people for the people, not for like the business. You know what I mean? There are other people that do what you do and there are other people that do what I do. Um, and so there does come a point where you can begin to start a sort of, uh, predict where things are going. Yeah. I understand that. Totally. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It, it, you know, you, you look a lot younger than, than I am. So you may not remember the days of cassette tapes. Maybe you had some cassette tapes growing up. Um, but I was a big mixtape fan. So we, we would, you know, you get a cassette tape, uh, and sometimes we would even try to record stuff that was on the radio, like shows that were showing up or songs that we liked. And you would kind of record this perfect mix. And I think business innovation is much like making the perfect mixtape where you're, you're kind of like pulling together these other ideas, these older ideas to, to bring something new into the world that didn't exist before. But like you said, it's all, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. It's all the same ingredients. It's just how do you mix them together? Exactly, exactly. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious though. So you've been doing this for a while. Uh, mm -hmm. What were you doing before? Have you been an entrepreneur for your whole like adult life or were you doing something else and then transitioned? Yeah, great question. Uh, my, my career has always kind of involved one of two things. It's either been fully on the creative side. So uh, I was an artist as a kid, loved drawing and painting. I've got four kids now myself. And so I love creating with them. I've got a couple of art, young artists in the family that make jewelry and paint and do all this stuff. I, I was a photographer. I had a, a photography business for almost a decade, about nine years, um, traveled the world shooting photos, which was incredible, especially uh, as somebody in his 20-somethings. And then as a newlywed, it was a great, a great kind of gig. So it's either been on the full creative side of things or on the flip side, on like the cold, hard sales. Like I've, uh, I've worked retail, I've sold shoes, I've opened uh, Nordstrom and was, you know, one of the, uh, the, the fastest growing um, uh, shoe salesmen with that company, was promoted manager uh, at their flagship store, have worked in call centers, you name it. So it, it was this re really weird kind of dichotomy where I, I questioned for a long time, I'm like, am I an artist or am I a salesman? And I, I, really, I couldn't answer that question for a long time until I found digital marketing. And I was like, well, shoot, like this is the perfect mix of both because it uses the analytical, we got to look at the numbers, we got to actually sell something and produce a result. And at the same time, there's the storytelling, there's the creative piece, there's, the, the, there's such an art to good marketing. Um, and so, right. yes, I've been doing this my whole life, but I've also only been doing it the last seven, eight years because it took me a long time, probably a lot longer than most to answer that question of, who am I? Am I this or am I that? And I was like, oh, yes, I am both. That that is that is very funny that you bring that up because for me growing up, that was one of my biggest struggles. Is like, what do I want to do? Right? How do I take these different kind of interests and passions that I have and create something sustainable out of it? And so that's that's uh, funny that you bring that up. I always it's always refreshing to hear people who had similar struggles because it kind of feels like you're almost alone in that right because you look out and you see everyone in their careers especially in the world of entrepreneurship you see everybody uh say talking about how much they love what they do and they take vacations all the time because of it and it's like oh well shit you know what am i doing you know what i mean yeah yeah there's that that quote right you, if you love what you do you'll never work another day again in your life and i'm like well shoot i love to work um, I, you know, I, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this, uh, this interview right now come from different walks of life and different faiths. I 
uh, I have my own kind of personal faith and I believe in the Bible and, uh, and a God that created work that uh, his original intention and in, in for work was that we would actually enjoy it. Um, that we would enjoy the fruits of our labor. And so I think those, those two things go hand in hand, like work can be good, but yes, it has to come out of who, who you are. I think it's why so, so many of us are always kind of on this quest of like, who am I and what is there for me to do? Like answer those two questions. If you're clear on the answer to those two questions, you're going to be rocking. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. And it's true. I mean, that's why you see, you know, your typical like corporate drone, right? Getting so burnt out so quickly because like there's no passion behind it. And so there's no enjoyment. And when it takes up the majority of your time, right? I mean, 40 hours a week, that's, you know, most of your time is spent at work. And so that that can really drain a person, you know, when it's not something that you're passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's not when it's not in alignment, when it's not congruent with who you are, uh, it's going to be really hard. That's when you're going to have to grind. You know, if you think of the definition of like grinding, it's literally like wearing something away until there's nothing left. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to grind. I want to work hard. Uh, I don't want to grind. Exactly. (laughs) I really like that analogy. I've never been a huge fan of like the crazy grind hustle culture, but I, 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 I don't know why I never thought of like just defining grind, right? Just wearing something away until it's nothing. Who wants that? Yeah, I don't. Nobody. <laughs> At least that's, that's what, that's what uh, they say. Yeah, I think, I think our words are really important. So I've always been very conscious of the words that I use, um, the, the thoughts that I, that I think. And honestly, that, that plays into the work that I do in marketing because I feel like the best marketers, the best um, growth strategists that, come in, that can come in and produce results for themselves or for a client doing these, these launches... They have to be able to speak to the words that their, their, their ideal client, that their market is thinking. And sometimes even without their, you know, their prospect, their target market, even realizing what they're thinking. I always say, if you can speak to the story that's going on internally for your prospect, you're going to win. Like right now, there's the conversation that's happening between you and me, Evan, right? There's that conversation. There's the conversation that's happening between the two of us and your listener, yes, you who's like listening to this in your AirPods right now, like there's that conver- there, there's an active conversation happening right now. But I, what I'm more interested in is not that conversation that's happening out here in the open. It's the one internally. It's the one, Evan, that you're that's going on for you right now. Like literally, as we're having this interview, that the conversation that your listener is having with themselves, the realizations that they're having about their business, because I realize if you can speak to to that, then like great marketing can actually change someone's life, like full stop. Um, and I think not, not many people go to that level of depth. So, so many that, that I see out there in the industry are looking for the next hack, the next platform to get cheaper clicks, to try to get a higher conversion rate just for the sake of numbers um, without realizing that, hey, there's, there's a human being on the other side of that conversation that is literally debating with themselves about, who they are and what is there for them to do. Exactly. And that's an interesting point. And it's true that marketing, good marketing like that has incredible power to be a, an influence on someone's life. Whether that's positive or negative. And unfortunately, I definitely feel like I see more negative because the skills, the basic skills of marketing aren't like 
you know, especially in the world of online entrepreneurship like this, it's not some, it's not like it's, you know, advanced rocket science, right? You can, yeah, we can do it. You know, we can, we can find the resources we need to learn how to do it. But the problem is a lot of people, it's so easy to make it almost like predatory. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. If someone isn't, yeah, like, <laughs> it's like, was it, uh, in spider-man you know with with great power comes great responsibility right yeah um you know i've got a uh, a story can i share a quick story of course so this last week i was just with a client at one of their events so this is a newer client we just did their first launch with them last month came just short so so the name of my uh offer my company is six figure launches right and we came like eight thousand bucks short but i was still pretty stoked that the first launch we did just a little over 92k in sales on this launch. So I will still count it as a win although I was like, "Man, we were so close. We only needed like a couple more sales." Right. But I'm at I'm at this event on the on the tail end of this launch and what was great about it is I got to sit face to face with my clients' clients, the people that we were launching to, the people that we were marketing to. And I get, right. was literally at the dinner table with uh, I think there was maybe like 20 or 30 of their top and clients. And so I'm sitting across the table from this guy and we're just kind of sharing stories. And I was actually sharing some of the companies that had been previous clients of mine. Um, and I'm not going to name names, but this one right. particular company does north of 300 million a year. They're very widely known, especially in the space that they're in. And I mentioned, I, I mentioned this only because of the space that, that he was in. He was like, oh yeah, I've bought their stuff before. I've been on that email list. And he's like, in the beginning, I was really excited because what they were saying made sense. It spoke to me. Um, and then I started to realize that at the end of every single product, there was like another pitch. Like, yes, I bought this $49 thing, but then I was only going to get pitched the $9.97 thing and then the $59.97 thing. And even inside of those higher end products, he felt like he, he told me, he's like, I felt like I could never let my guard down because... As much as I would get excited about what they were teaching me, what they were showing me, what they were, you know, the value they were delivering, I was always worried like, oh, is this just a setup for the, for the next thing? And it was really interesting because we contrasted that with the event that we were literally at. And my client, who he had paid a lot of money to, to learn from in this space, uh, th- this space specifically is in uh, mergers and acquisitions. Uh, this client of mine, they teach people how to buy and sell businesses, right? Um, and he was grateful for it. He was like, hey, when, when Carl makes an offer and, and is looking to sell me something, he's like, I'm, I'm cool with it. I'm, I'm excited for it because I know Carl's only doing that when he knows he can add value and when I'm going to get 10x the value that I would get otherwise. And everything in between like, is legitimate value. It's not a setup for another sales pitch. So it was, just, it was really interesting as a marketer to get to sit face to face with my client's client and understand the story again that he was having internally all the way through again, you know, with other competitors that we're up against with my client. And because, you know, to have that kind of understanding is invaluable. And it's the absolute difference between whether you're going to win long run in this game of entrepreneurship or where you're going to crash and burn and grind out to nothingness, right? Exactly. That is a very, very interesting story. And it shows that like, yeah, the techniques can be used in similar ways, but like it is true. And I've seen this as well many times 
both with like even like live events sometimes and like you know your typical kind of online course or product it's like they pitch you something you buy it but pretty much all you're buying is just a uh, you know, some, some, you know, a, a little bit of letter. a value laced <laughs> pitch. Yeah, it's another pitch. It's like you're buying, and it's like you're buying another pitch to another thing that you buy, and it's just, that is in itself another pitch to another thing. It's like Jesus Christ. When does it end? You know it what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. But again, I think you know, um, a mentor of mine helped me define like what is service. Like, what does it mean to actually serve in these different. Um, parts of the customer journey, right? I'm sure you're familiar with the customer journey. Probably most of your listeners are. If you're not something that's definitely worth studying, you know, this idea of, hey, there's right now people out there in your ideal market who have no idea who you are yet, um, then you need to attract them, right? You need to you know, you make some noise, get their attention somehow, draw them into your kind of universe. Uh, then it's a matter of engaging with them, you know, converting them maybe into a, a lead and then eventually a sale. And we kind of break those down into, you know, three simple steps. Marketing, which is really just that, hey, let's get the attention. Let's start to qualify and, and develop a, a relationship with our, our market. That's the marketing piece. Then there's the sales piece, which is like, okay, let me help this person make a, a decision. This is really more of like a triage thing. Like, okay, you've come into the world. You're starting to engage and see what it is that we have to offer um, now let, let me help you make a, a decision so you could actually get into the work. And then there's client fulfillment or client success, right? So whether you're delivering a software product, um, you know, a, a physical product, like one of my clients, they create photo albums for wedding photographers. Uh, so it could be a physical product. It could be an education product like my M&A client. Um, but now you're actually delivering the goods. And if you look at you know, what, what does it mean to actually serve? Because I, I have a heart of, of service. I, I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram. I'm a three wing two on the Enneagram, which means I'm an achiever and a helper. So I like to achieve, I like to like hit big goals and get results, but specifically through helping. And so I'm, I'm kind of service oriented. And I think a lot, a lot of entrepreneurs, at least the ones that are making it big these days also are. Um, and what's important is you look at, okay, well, what does that actually mean in, in marketing? And my belief is that in marketing, like the best marketing is actually helping to um, bring awareness to that internal conversation that we were talking about. Can we help an individual better understand their own problem, their own vision, their own aspiration, right? And if you can do that, and if they never buy from you, but you help them understand that, you've done a great job at marketing. Where I think a lot of the industry looks at, well, shoot, I just have to convert the sale as much. You know, I have to get the highest conversion possible at all costs. And what happens is you end up with guys like this guy, Chuck, who I was sitting across the table from, who end up falling through the middle of your funnel or the back end, who now you've tarnished your brand reputation. They're having these kind of conversations over the dinner table with their colleagues about you and your company because you didn't actually have a heart of service in your marketing and then in your sales and then in your client fulfillment because it was all about the numbers. Right. Exactly. And it's funny because you can, if you are if you are made aware of this, you can begin to to spot it when you're when you see people's marketing online. Like if you see the people who all they talk about is 
Because, like, you know, saying you give value is definitely a big buzzword and you want to include yeah. that in your marketing, right? And so people will be like, you know, talking about how much value they're giving. But if you read their, you know, you know, their, you know, whatever copy paste Facebook post they posted and you read through and you're like, okay, but talk a lot about like giving value and how important it is. But they never actually gave any value. Like they, they were never like, you know, do this, this, and this. That's what, you know, you know that's why? what I did to do this. And it's you like, you know why, Evan, they don't give value? I can why? tell you why they don't give value because they've not defined it. They don't know their definition for value. So, this is like super practical. If you're listening to this right now and you have a business or you're selling something for someone else's business, you've got to like under, like ask yourself, hey, what is, what would be valuable? At this part of the process, what would be valuable in the introductory stage of the process, maybe in the marketing or prospecting phase? What would be valuable during the actual sales process? What would be valuable, you know, as we're onboarding the client? Because if you don't, if you just say, "Oh, I'm going to add value," uh, but you haven't defined what it is, then yeah, you're going to miss ten times out of ten. And that goes back to, at least for me and my belief, what I think value is at these different stages. In marketing, it's it's bringing a greater awareness to the pain and aspiration for that individual. Because if you, it's, it's the same reason why you know people go to therapy. It's why people mastermind because they're looking to get a perspective. Because we we can solve these problems for everyone else. Sometimes it's hardest to do for ourselves, and you need that outside perspective, right? So if we can do that, we've served that person. Right. When you get into sales, so value is helping them make a life-changing decision that could change their life and business, right? You know, um, one of the, the the groups that masterminds that I'm in, I know you've, you've had a lot of people on the podcast um, from this mastermind. They talk about this idea of on a sales call, when you're talking to a prospect one-on-one, uh, your goal, your first and foremost goal is to help that prospect uh, make a decision that's good for them, right? So it's not about me as the person who's making the sale. It's about the, the prospect. That's my number one job. Thing number two is what, what is best for them is typically outside of their comfort zone. And then number three, the rule that is always going to happen. They're going to fight like hell to stay in their comfort zone. And so what, what value looks like there is being willing to challenge them. And not because I believe it, but because, hey, you told me this was important to you. But now you're saying this other thing, um, you know, contradicts that. I'll give you a perfect example. You know, I'm on the phone with a prospect, like, "Hey, this is going to change my business. I've sold four or five hundred grand last year through this offer, um, but I don't have a predictable way of generating revenue. It's kind of coming in haphazard." So, Gabriel, yes, what you do uh, makes a ton of sense. We should we should do some of these launches so we can validate these ideas and then build a machine. That is going to bring in consistent lead flow, consistent sales. Yes, I get it. Awesome. Okay, cool. And this person is invested into their business multiple times over. But then when it comes time to make the investment and I share what that looks like, it's like, okay, I've got to go kind of refinagle. I've got to talk to my CPA. I've got to do all these things. It's like, well, what you just told me was that what is most important is getting out of the chaos that's in your business, removing some of those bottlenecks and building a more predictable machine, which we both agree I can help you do. And you have the resources because you have clients coming in. So what, what's, the, what's the holdup? It's being willing to like challenge in a loving way. Again, not because I need the sale, but because my job in serving and providing value is to help them make a decision 
that will actually help them. And I've been on conversations on the flip side where you know, I'm talking with an entrepreneur struggling in his business and we're kind of like teasing things out on the call and he keeps talking about his old days in IT. And I'm like, pause, can we take a quick timeout? If you were to like completely give up your business um, and just be able to go back and have your old job in IT, like gun to your head right now, you had to make a decision. It's either this is my last shot to go back into IT or I've got to figure out what I'm going to do in my business. Which one would you do? And he's like, oh, shoot, that's a good question. He's like, I'd probably go get the job. And I was like, dude, our, our conversation is done. You need to go do that. Could I have sold him on me helping him make his business work and producing more? Yeah, absolutely. It would have been a, it would have been a headache because he would have been fighting the whole way. But like, my job was to help him make a decision. Like, no, dude, I think you actually probably need to shut down your business, sell it, transition out something because your heart's, not, your heart's not in it. And so that's what value looks like. But you have to define what is value before you can ever serve it and provide it. Exactly. And the problem is that's a skill people can learn. And a lot of people, like you said, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And there are a lot of people that are, are more predatory and prey on those people. And I think definitely the majority of salespeople would have continued to try to sell that guy from your story. Oh, the dude, few- and, and I know it because I, I've done it in the past and it was never worth it. Like when I was in my 20 somethings and I was selling and the only thing that mattered to me was numbers, like I've been there. Um, and you don't feel good about it. You don't, you don't feel good looking yourself in the mirror. Um, and then usually like the, the clients don't end up getting success and results. You know, the agency that I came out of, um, Strike Point Media was there for six years. My good friend Jeremy Blossom is the founder of that agency. Helped take that agency to north of $25 million a year in revenue. And I'll tell you that the secret to us scaling from near zero to 25 million plus and hitting on the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing companies was 100% serving our existing customer base, our existing clients. We brought in some clients. Yes, that's how we got our initial start. But we didn't go out and get 1,000 clients. We served a dozen plus clients really, really deeply over those six years. And that's what led to our success. And again, the only way you can do that, you, you can't do that in a predatory kind of way. You can't do that by slapping up some new offer. Um, you know, I love Alex Hermosi's book. It's incredible. $100 million offers. If you're listening to this right now, you should read that book. Um, if you're in business or you're in marketing or anything. Um, but it's, it, it also has to be done, again, from a heart of service. It can't just be just to make the sale, um, which is actually like not how Alex does it. Like Everything that Alex does is all about, hey, how do I actually help this person get a result? How do I remove objections so we can actually add, add value? Um, but you're absolutely right. You know, it, it can be done in a predatory way. The good news about it is though, like the predatory stuff almost never lasts. It does affect the industry, which sucks. And it gives the rest of us, you know, something to compete against, but you can win in such a bigger way when you market with integrity and you market from a heart of service than you ever would be able to. Yeah. You might make a quick buck with some like crazy tactics and, convincing and coercing people. Um, but it's going to catch up with you, especially in today's day and age with social media and how connected we all are. There's no hiding. 
you cannot hide. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. It's true. And, you know, a lot of people, unfortunately, kind of go through one of those before they realize, like, now, now they can spot it, right? You can see if someone is saying, talking all, you know, talking about giving value but never actually do, red flag. If someone's value is really just a pitch, red flag, right? Like you can see those kinds of things and be able to watch out for them. Um, and I think I appreciate you, Gabriel, for for sharing these insights because it's a very important conversation that I don't see a lot of entrepreneurs having because that's. You know, because there are a lot of entrepreneurs that do that and they don't want that to be exposed or may, you know, they don't. So it's just, it's not something that I see talked about very often. Um, and I know we could probably talk about it for hours to come, but I want to respect your time and the time of our listeners. So Gabriel, thank you so much for being willing to come on the podcast and share these insights and have, you know, have this conversation with me. I very much enjoyed uh, where it ended up. And uh, for people who are interested in you and in you know, all the things that you're doing, where can they find out more about you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you head over to sixfigurelaunches.com, that's probably the best place. Uh, if you are, you know, if, if you're an entrepreneur, uh, you're making seven or eight figures, you know, even high, high sixes, you know, my, one of my last uh, clients I brought on was doing about half a million a year, was a, a photographer of all, all things, uh, was able to help him kind of sell some courses and crack that, that million dollar mark. So if that's you and you have some bottlenecks in your business, you realize like, oh man, I, I know I could be doing more, um, but you've got some bottlenecks with your marketing and, and your, uh, your campaigns you know, hit me up six figure launches. Uh, if, if, if not, if that's not you and you're kind of on your way up or, or, or things are great, you know, still head over there. Uh, my Facebook and Instagram and all that would be linked out from there. I, I, I post a lot on Facebook and, uh, we'll be kind of ramping up the YouTube side of things here pretty shortly too. Perfect. All right. Yeah. All that stuff will be linked in the show notes. And again, Gabriel, thank you so much for being willing to come on the podcast. Awesome. Thanks, Evan. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode and for supporting the Path to Podcast Success Show. If you haven't already, please leave us a five-star rating and a written review, letting us know what you think of the show so we can bring you the most value we can from these expert podcasters. Your support helps us reach more people looking to step up their podcast game so that they can continue to grow their brand and spread their message. So again, thank you for listening to this episode of The Path to Podcast Success, and we'll see you in the next episode.